Named after the mechanism that separates the sweet wort from the spent grains, False Bottom Girls features two beer experts filtering through the brewing industry to guide listeners through the wonderful, yet sometimes confusing, world of beer. Hi, my name is Rachel Hudson. I'm the co-owner and head brewer of Pilot Brewing in Charlotte, North Carolina, and an advanced Cicerone. Hi, I'm Jen Blair. I'm the beer program coordinator with New Realm Brewing in Atlanta, Georgia, and I am also an advanced Cicerone. You start the show. That's how it goes. I know. I'm, <laughs> I'm trying to. Jeez Louise. So thank you, everyone, and welcome back. <laughs> so today we have an interview that we did a few weeks ago with the fantastic Liz Pratt, and we um, still haven't figured out our equipment, so the last part of the interview unfortunately got cut off. But what we're going to do is uh, let you guys listen to this interview that we did with Liz about valuing your time and the kind of the issue with volunteering in the beer industry and, you know, giving giving your labor away for free. When that episode is, or pardon me, when the interview is finished, we will jump back on and talk about some of the other really good points that Liz raised during her interview. So enjoy this interview with Liz Pratt. Today, for this episode, we're going to be talking about the importance of valuing your time. And this um, this came up during our episode we did on how to get Break a job. in the beer industry, yeah. Right, how to get into the beer industry. And, you know, Rachel and I had said, value your time. Don't work for free. Uh, there's a lot of things that you, that people will be happy to let you do for free that you shouldn't be doing for free. And um, we have Liz Pratt with us today. And Liz had, uh, she and I ended up DMing about this because, um, Liz, I think you had posted in your stories about it. And it ended up being a larger conversation for all of us outside of the episode on what we mean when we say don't volunteer your time. And, you know, that doesn't mean don't volunteer with organizations. Yeah. It means don't work for free. Well, and one of the most frustrating things is I think brewery festivals are the most perfect example. Like, there are breweries out there that ask their people to go work these festivals for free. Right. And, you know, I was definitely had to put my foot down one time and said, would you like me to clock in like when I get here or did you just want to take care of that yourself? Right. right. <laughs> well, let's put a pin in that story yeah. because we're going to let Liz introduce her, her yes. introduce ourselves. Jeez. <laughs> so first we thanked Liz for having us and um, now she's going, <laughs> now we're going to let her introduce us. No, just kidding. So Liz, if you want to <laughs> uh, introduce yourself, give us a little bit of your background. Sure. Um, so I am a sensory specialist. I got my start in craft beer in New England. Um, I bounced around some breweries in Boston and in Portland, Maine. And when I started getting into sensory analysis for small breweries, I realized there was a huge market um, for just talking more about how we can do sensory programs with really small budgets. I think it can be intimidating to a lot of small breweries. You know, um, I always bring up how they say if you're sick, not to look up your symptoms on WebMD <laughs> right. because it's going to tell you that you're dying. Right. And sometimes <laughs> I feel that way about sensory because, you know, if your brewery has four people 
and you spend 40 minutes on the internet, suddenly you have 200 pages of scientific papers to read about the absolute perfect way to do sensory absolutely correctly. And I think that is frustrating for a lot of people. Right. So the more I started talking with people about this, um, the more I started getting requests to go speak at this conference in Iowa or running down to, to CBC in Nashville. I just got home from the Nebraska Craft Brewers Guild That's right. uh, annual conference, which was really exciting and fun. And part of what was cool about that was seeing how so many different small breweries are running their businesses and the work that they're putting in to be a part of the community and um, try and like lift up their neighbors. I think craft beer really does care about the, the cities and towns where our breweries are located. Um, so I've heard more and more people talk about this question. Like it's so hard to find jobs in craft beer if you don't already have any experience. Right. So I have you guys set up. Um, I have false bottom girls set to auto download in my <laughs> podcast app nice. and I'm headed to work one day. Um, so I'm currently based in Amsterdam in the Netherlands where I do a little bit of sensory consulting at different breweries. So I'm on the train a lot. I have a lot of time to listen to podcasts and I pull up the newest episode and my initial reaction was like, Oh no, it's the, <laughs> how do you get into craft beer episode? And that always turns into everyone saying you should volunteer. <laughs> so for me, it was really exciting uh, to hear you guys talk about ways to break into the craft beer industry without um, doing anything that involves free labor um, or unsafe situations, um, which I think can can really cause problems for a small brewery. Uh, so I really appreciate you inviting <laughs> me to be a part of the conversation. Yeah, of course. And um, yeah, that, that was great to hear because that's something that, you know, Rachel and I personally and professionally have spent a lot of time on. And I think uh, for myself, I knew when I, you know, looking for it in my professional career, where I wanted to go, looking for opportunities within organizations I was a part of to be able to mm -hmm. get those skills. So I, you know, wanted to, uh, this was around the time I was starting my, my blog and I wanted to know what it was, I wanted experience in doing, you know, email blasts and social media for an organization that's bigger than my, my personal Instagram account. So I, I, <laughs> I signed up as the VP of communications for our homebrew club. And I wanted to work on event management with a bigger budget than anything I had. So I volunteered to be the VP of marketing for Charlotte Oktoberfest and had, you know, a very nice size budget to be able to implement some of the skills I'd been learning through taking like skill pop classes and things like that, that took a lot of my time, mm -hmm. but that is a, an a organization self investment in yourself. Right. And it it's, it's an like organization that I, I cared a lot about. I was very involved in. And so I think for all of us, that's an important distinction to make is yes, I will volunteer for pink boots. If, if pink boots needs me to pour somewhere, 
that's one thing. If, if Rachel wants me to come in and clean kegs because it will be great exposure, that's, the, that's a totally different you won't thing. Do <laughs> no, it's totally. I mean, it's like volunteering for a nonprofit. Obviously, go volunteer for causes that are good and worthy and that you believe in. But at the end of the day, don't, you don't need to do free labor. Uh, we, right. we have one guy, his name's Shane. He's just a good friend. He does no interest in trying to like work for us or a brewery, not trying to leave his day job, like just had a kid. But like recently before that, he just so badly like wanted to just like be there one day a week if he could. And I'm like, Shane, like, I don't have anything to do. Like I'm cleaning kegs. He's like, no, it's fine. I want to clean those kegs. And I'm like, you are crazy. And he was so, <laughs> he yeah. so insisted. But when he did, we were like, here's all these gift cards. Here's beer. Right. Like, you want some lunch? Like, well, I, you're crazy, but thank you. I mean, if you really want, like, trust me, it was a right. very exceptional uh, yeah. case. I was but. about to say that's, yeah, that's spoken like somebody who has never had to clean cakes before. <laughs> yeah. I mean, still, the only reason he doesn't come now is because he had a kid. He's still great. He, like, helps, so, he, like, likes to volunteer at festivals and stuff right. with us. So that's um, fun. But him. yeah, I think, um, Liz, that's something that maybe you can talk to as well is, you know, where that the line is between volunteering and free labor. Yeah. Um, for me, a big part of, um, a big part of the line does tend to be, um, is someone else financially profiting off of this labor? Right. So, for me, you know, going to speak at a conference for the Brewers Association or working as uh, one of the officers for my home master Brewers Association district, like this is work that is meant to support our brewing community. It's meant to support other people in the industry. Uh, it's meant to provide education and fellowship and all these wonderful things. For me, the line is where I am doing free work that creates money that a business owner gets to take home. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Even, Which, even if it's like a work in the brewery or even if it's like a festival too. So like mm-hmm. you, you got to decide what, yeah, there is something to that, to looking at what is, how good is this cause or is there a cause or is right. it 100% labor? And I, uh, after listening to your podcast, I spent quite a while poking around the internet and looking for other conversations that had happened around this topic. Mm-hmm. And there was this great article, um, I think it was like in October 2017 on um, Beer Advocates, where they talked to quite a few different craft breweries about their practices around working with volunteers. And there were some great folks in that article that had easy and sustainable ways to take advantage of how excited people were without necessarily abusing that passion and that excitement for the products that we're creating. So I think one, one brewery owner was saying um, they let you volunteer for two or three shifts, but after that, you were getting on payroll and making at least a minimum wage. Um, other folks had suggested literally just figuring out what amount of money people would be paid for that amount of time mm-hmm. and then making sure that they were sent home with product or merchandise mm-hmm. that was equal to that 
amount of money that someone would have been earning otherwise. Yeah, there's a real side to that. There's a lot of uh, people that they they really don't want a job either. Like they just maybe want to help out in the bottling line because it's great experience for them. Um, I, there was a brewery that before when they were getting opened, uh, they had a couple people work there, huge bottling line, and just had a couple shifts. Like people were really interested, like mass emails, can we volunteer? Mm-hmm. And it was kind of like this, uh, it's kind of risky. It's, you know, you got a lot of people back there. Yeah, you do need like probably maybe four volunteers for like a two or three hour run. Right. But it got to a point where it was like, okay, well, the public really wants this. Let's try to create a little program out of it. And it's totally like compensate beer, 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 like free beer when they came in. It was like, but it was a very much a thing of like people wanted to kind of have that little bit of experience. And, you know, I think a lot of cases uh, the person is typically already employed Mm -hmm. when they want that person to work for free. Whether it's like a festival on the weekend, you know, get paid for, but you get to be there kind of thing. Not being able to pay your employee and just be like, oh, I got you next week. Oh, it's going to come tomorrow. Like that, I've had brewers that I've even hired that came from a situation like that. And that's on a whole different spectrum. But get out of those situations. Like recognize when it is a problem. Liz, I have a question. Did you start to (laughs) notice when... uh, you are getting into this when you discovered the side of this industry that you could make your own business essentially out of it. Did you start to notice as you were making that switch that people just kind of wanted you to come to their brewery for free or like, can I, can you just give me a little bit of advice or can you like meet with me for a couple hour kind of thing or give me one class kind of thing? Absolutely. And I think that part of um, what is so important about having this conversation. So, I'm very lucky that my work situation is very flexible. I live in a place where medical coverage is very cheap. I don't have kids. I don't have an expensive mortgage. So for me, if someone sends me an email and says, I have this interesting problem, I need your help, I can only pay you minimum wage, um, I can say yes to that. And I can get excited about it anyway. And if if I really want to, I can go help somebody for free. Sure. However, there are also people in our industry and people who are trying to make it work. And I mean, none of us got into craft beer to get rich. Right. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Wait, um, you did it? <laughs> what? <laughs> um, I, I get nervous when I catch myself taking on work for very, very low pay or taking on work for free um, because I have to remember that I'm very lucky to be able to do that once in a while Mm -hmm. and other people in our industry or who wants to get in our industry and haven't gotten there yet, maybe don't have that luxury. And so maybe you do have an expensive mortgage or maybe there is something up with your health insurance and that's really expensive uh, if you're a single parent, where are you getting the time to do this work for free, to work on weekends for no money, just in the hope that maybe you will get a job on the packaging team someday? Yeah, right. Exactly. And so that that was difficult for me when I first started and it helped me advocate a little bit for uh, more fair pay, uh, because I was remembering that, okay, it's not just about me. If I take free work, 
Mm-hmm. That means we continue with the same thing that you hear of in like freelance photography. Uh, do it for exposure, and yeah. then suddenly everyone thinks you should be able to find a wedding photographer for free. Right. But people die of exposure all the time. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yep. Yes. Yeah. I. Um, this was pre-beer when I was still in the legal field, and I worked for this firm that paid very under like very very underpaid it's mm-hmm. it's new attorneys specifically oh yeah my my cousin is a new lawyer and he's like they don't make money anymore no you don't make money we, anymore i work here because i accept this like low pay right right <laughs> yeah. exactly but i remember in the interview saying you know this this will be a pay cut for me from yeah. my from my current job but it's great exposure and that's what they told me is this it's great exposure it is a fairly prominent family law firm in in the city and so it did mean something to work there but doesn't pay your bills right not when you're not getting paid and when (laughs) I when I left that job I thought I will run away as fast as I can from anybody who ever tries to sell me on but it's great exposure because if it if it's truly in in my opinion if it's truly great exposure they don't have to tell you that yeah you, you know that already. You're willing to accept that pay cut or the long hours or whatever because you know it's going to be worth it. If somebody has to tell you, but I promise it's worth it, it's not. It's not. And so, Liz, I think something I know I've struggled with in the past, I, I don't get, very often I don't get requests for consulting, but, you know, every every few months or so, or, or so somebody will reach out to say, hey, you know, we're, um, I have... A, a client who's wanting to do their redo their beer program, and they're looking for you know advanced cicerones or master cicerones to get. Um, so you know, like to to potentially consult. So um, let me know what your consulting fee is, and I have no idea where to start with that stuff. And I know that I can I I feel like I consistently lowball because I also don't know what other people in the industry charge for that, if there even is somebody else in the industry doing that. So I would be interested in hearing how how you've determined, you know, I guess how, how you value what your time is worth when you're starting out on, on your own. Frankly, I think that if I were not in the position of, you know, no kids, no mortgage, cheap health insurance, I would not be doing freelance because... It is so difficult to find a firm number. I think we're all in a position of having to feel out what your client can afford and what value you think the experience has for you. Mm -hmm. I mean, I definitely took on much lower rates when I first moved to the Netherlands than I would now, uh, just in order to get in the room and get my foot in the door. Um, but there is, you know, I think long and hard when I take a really low paying job or I help someone out for a really low price or for free, I have to think really hard about what impact that has, not just on my bottom line, mm-hmm. but for the industry as a whole. And maybe someone who is not as lucky as I am to, you know, not have to pay for daycare and to be able to buy cheap groceries. Um, It's definitely an interesting problem. And when I first started, I um, was talking to a friend who works in innovation consulting. And he he was really encouraging. He really was a huge help in getting this off the ground. But one of the first things he told me 
was to um, think of the highest possible rate I would feel comfortable asking for Mm -hmm. and then to bump that up by 20%. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. It makes sense. You gotta, you gotta, you know, doggy dog world out there. You gotta, <laughs> yeah, I like it. Yeah. The, the worst thing that can happen is you tell the person your rate, they say no, and then you continue to not have that job. Right. That like is, you already don't point. have it. Right. So, yeah. <laughs> right. Right. Um, my experience is that. Almost everyone is up for negotiating. They will come back with a different number. You can talk about, you know, I've negotiated things like making sure my train travel was covered. Like if you can just cover all my train tickets, then we can work with a lower number. Or if I can have you confirm ahead of time that I will not be available to you except for on Mondays and Tuesdays. Right. Like that kind of thing. Um, You can really negotiate for something that, that works a little bit better, allows you to take on more clients, something like that. Um, And for the most part, people here have been really understanding. Um, One thing I like to do is um, really look into when you're running your own business, how much you will need to pay in taxes. So for me, my, my taxes are really, really high. So my minimum cost or my minimum rate that I'll offer cannot be the same as hourly minimum wage. It needs to be more because at the end of the day, when I pay my taxes as a business, you know, I've done jobs where I realized looking back on it, I made the equivalent of like $7 an hour. Right. Yeah. You're just like, wait, what? (laughs) (laughs) So going back and working through all those numbers and um, I think just making it really clear to potential clients where those funds are going and I think reminding people that we do have a lot of costs, whether you're working freelance or you are a brewery. I mean, insurance for potential injury is huge. Mm -hmm. And so when I go into a brewery as a consultant, I have my own insurance that covers me in case of an accident. However, if you're a brewery where you are having people come in just to help out with canning every once in a while, your insurance might not cover them. And the American healthcare system is not good. So even if that person is your best friend, if they get hurt, they may end up having to sue you right. in order to get their medical bills covered. Yeah, we It's have, just a yeah. risk that isn't worth it to anybody. Yeah, right. definitely. Yeah, we have to have any anyone who comes and hangs out with for a day, we have them sign a waiver, even if they're our friends. Yeah, yeah I, I remember um, got to. we had one of the times I was brewing there, um, our friend Jared, yeah. who's a professional brewer, came yeah. to brew with me. <laughs> yeah. and, they, and, you know, they still said, hey, man, we read this, read this and sign it. Yeah. And you know, he is a brewer. He's works in, he works around equipment all the time. So he understands the risk. But even then it was like, well, you're not an employee here Yeah. though. And exactly. um, yeah. And having, having those sorts of things. And I think that is a really good point, Liz, about, and, and Rachel, you could probably speak to this better, but from a business owner's point of view, if you do have somebody who, like you said, just really wants to come in 
and like isn't isn't using that as a way to get a job yeah hey I just want to see what this is like yeah you know having like wanting to offer that to them but then as a business owner still making sure it's also a lot of work it's not like we're just hanging out (laughs) right right it's not like somebody wants to come sit in on one of my training sessions where I'm just standing there with powerpoint slides it's it's physical work and with a very real danger of you know chemicals and and heavy machinery yeah. and, or not machinery but heavy things yeah, moving definitely. it around there's a lot of opportunity for accidents to happen particularly when you don't know yeah. what you're doing oh absolutely it's definitely risky so i think um i think that was really helpful Liz, because i know that's something that i when i'm thinking about well what what would i charge and uh you know one of the consulting opportunities i think i just ended up taking what my my hourly rate broke down to at that point and doubling it but then yeah like not even I wouldn't even think about taxes until it was time for me to pay taxes <laughs> and especially <laughs> I mean especially here like if you're a 1099 if if you're a contractor or freelance you're when you get paid like you're pretty well off to go dig a hole in the yard and put 50% of that cash in there because that's what you're going to pay for taxes at yep. the end of the year and um, anytime I've had a, a 1099 or, you know, like gotten a, a tax document for contractors, it's like, oh, that's right. Nobody was taking taxes out for me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> tax man. Scam. And I feel like I should also say in, in the spirit of full disclosure, I mean, I am the way I've put this to a couple of friends is that in order to do the consultant thing, you really need to be a hustler. Mm-hmm, and yeah. what I have learned over the last however long it's been of doing the consulting thing is that I'm not a hustler. Like <laughs> yeah. it is, especially in an industry where there is so much passion and there are all these people um, that are willing to just like show up, do things for free. Um, no matter how, how excited I am about it at the end of the day, not a hustler and I will probably end up very soon um, pushing for a full-time gig somewhere because I do not like doing invoices on Sundays. <laughs> I don't yeah. like making sure like my insurance is paid and all the taxes and all of that. Like yes. I would definitely advise people to, to do the research um, as they're getting started uh, because it is just, I mean, you're running a business, you're doing all the work that, that you do on site. And then you're also running a business in your quote unquote free time. Yes. Mm-hmm. And that's, I know when I left the guild recently to join the brewery, that was one of the things that I was like, it's going to be so nice to just be an employee again. And like my, my paycheck just shows up in my account I don't know how much money's in the bank. I don't have to know. And I'm not like stressing out to see like the bank balance going lower. Yeah. And, like every time I'm, I'm paying things. And like, as far as I'm concerned, it's just happening by magic. And I don't have to, I don't have to go in and pay myself and then also go and balance the books. And I don't have to issue my own tax forms and then do my own taxes. So you, you're definitely right about that. Like there's something to be said so for just fun. being an employee. <laughs> My husband does it, so it's fine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's my husband does it, so. But I'm that good. is, um, I, I think that would probably be a stumbling block for me as well because I'm not great at just like kicking open open a door and saying, "Here I am." You you didn't know it, but you need you need my yeah. services. 
and then having those those conversations around hey you know you said you were going the the invoice was due two days ago and I need to make my rent so (laughs) you know and having to have those uncomfortable conversations I just don't I don't feel like I would be very good at it either. I'd be like, "Well, that's okay. I'll just I'll just sleep in my car," and then, <laughs> rather than mm-hmm. have any way you can. Right. So, as I mentioned, we um, unfortunately lost the last part of the interview with Liz. I say we. That means me, or possibly this machine in front of me. Fifty-fifty. Uh, I don't know how anything works. It's, so it's, it's cool. It's like I'm. You know way more than I do, so I'm not judging. <laughs> I just show up. Uh, but we. It was it is awesome time talking to Liz, and one of the main points she brought up at the end, which I guess maybe is a silver lining, is we were running out of time with our interview with her anyway, and so it was something that we didn't really have the opportunity to expand upon. But one of the extremely good points she brought up is when thinking about who your volunteers are, they are going to be people who can afford to volunteer their time. Mm-hmm. And in an industry where we're talking about diversity and inclusivity, that selects out a lot of people who are not able to volunteer their time. And truly, we were just talking in our Master Cicerone episode, which will actually, I think, be out after this, but maybe before. But the the luxury we have of volunteering for too much mm-hmm. and having too much on our plates. But that's also because we have stable employment and and yeah ways we definitely that we couldn't can... do this like on our own you know like we right supporting husbands and exactly like yeah yeah and, and jobs that promote that you know right and so when you're getting people who can volunteer it is people who can afford to not be paid for that time and if breweries or others in the beer industry are hiring those people as then as employees you're taking somebody who didn't need to be paid for the work Mm -hmm. and then paying for them them for the work which is great I mean that's great if that's how that works out for you but it is something I think for people to think about is how how that continues to affect inclusivity in the industry Mm -hmm. when you're hiring people who can afford to not be paid yeah and there are also kind of on the flip side like in my experience working at a brewery that once had volunteer help, there were some people that were, like, leaving their full-time job to come work mm-hmm. to just put in any time they could in hopes of getting a job. So that that's a little bit, you know, kind of heart-wrenching because it's like, you know, you should be able to just have one job. You should be able to do that, and you shouldn't have to, like, prove your worth before you get that job. You should just be able to apply. Mm-hmm. And when there's when they are just pulling from that volunteer pool, whether you are just – overtime working to be that volunteer or you have the time then you're still not only like are you just you're kind of cutting out maybe better prospects for yourself too Mm -hmm. as that brewery correct like you're not giving the time to go through the process to find somebody not and and, you know there's advantages and disadvantages but I think the main point is is like as brewer brewery owners we have this social obligation and although that's not a very obvious point to it, it's something to consider for sure. Because right. I don't like to let people volunteer because it's a lot of work. It's dangerous. You got to watch them. And, mm-hmm. um, but I do a lot of guest brew days. And well, that's just for people. That's for the community. That's right. just to give back. Yeah, no, it's it's uh, it's one of those hard things. And um, it does impact the industry because, you know, and it's like that with any industry, I would say. Like, I mean, not in, 
not right, everything like, is a glorified, like, I want to go volunteer. Right, I was going to say, I didn't get a lot of people volunteering yeah. to come work yeah. at the law firm. Although, <laughs> I would be into that. That would be I would. malpractice. I just want to, like, go to the, I don't want to work at the law firm. I just want to go sit in the courthouse all day and watch. Um, that is true. Apparently, I can do that. Yeah, I was supposed to say, that is extremely fun. Yeah. And I don't, I, I shouldn't say that. fun. It's yeah, it's awful. Yeah, it's, uh, yes. you're getting entertainment out of other people's awfuls. Right, exactly. Nobody shows up to court. And it's entertainment like, for me. Don't yeah. get me wrong. Nobody shows up to <laughs> I also don't have the time like, to do that. Hey, everything's great. We're in here because everybody <laughs> agrees that everything's great. <laughs> and no, so none awful. of us did anything wrong. The police agree everything's fine. We just wanted to show up yeah. here, Judge, to let you know everybody's aces yeah yeah that does not happen so i think the point is just like you don't and not necessarily like a bad person if you're having volunteers work but it's just like you are putting this impact on the industry whether you realize it or not right and can you find a way to compensate somebody even if it's if you feel like it's like i understand that this is not what the going rate is but it's what i can afford or, you know, somehow make it so you can bring in people. Yeah, you don't want your business to be, like, relying on volunteer work. Right. Like, you don't want, right. oh, I can well, only get point, this production yeah. number because I have these volunteers to bottle all these bottles or whatever. Right. Yeah, I think that it is it is important just to consider that of, you know, it's one thing to talk the talk on being inclusive, and then it's another thing to walk the walk. So. That's there may be a lot of people who are self-selecting out of that pool also because some people like to talk about how low the unemployment rate is right now. And while that's technically true, one of the reasons why it's so low is because so many people are working multiple jobs. Yeah, because it's you don't it's not the same market as it was even for our parents, where if you went to college and you got a degree, you just walk out and walk straight into a job and Mm -hmm. you stay at that job for 25 years that's not the way the no. job market works anymore, and it's not what it, that looks like, and a college degree doesn't mean anything. A master's degree probably also doesn't mean anything. I know a law degree sure didn't mean anything. That didn't make me more employable. Mm-hmm. And you're not getting a full-time job with benefits. You're hired as a contractor, and you're mm-hmm. hourly, and you don't have paid time off, and you don't have health benefits. And you're kept on as a contractor until basically until you leave, and mm-hmm. like you're never going to be hired. Or your, you know, like Liz was saying, it's going to be great exposure. And so we don't have to pay you. And the fuck it is. Right. But you have to use your own car yeah. to do this. <laughs> yeah. And, and you're not, so at that point you're losing money. You're not just making money, you're losing money. And so thinking through how rather than just taking, you know, homebrew person coming in through the door who wants that, wants to volunteer is there some other program you could be reaching out to, like to do mm-hmm. some sort of on-the-job training? And we actually have a phone call later today about mm-hmm. that very thing, about somebody who's encouraging um, STEM training mm-hmm. through craft beer. That's and cool. so what what can you do that that looks something like that rather than just taking in whoever's walking in? And I, I, but one of the other things that I wanted to talk about, because this is... This is in the same vein of volunteering your time or, you know, valuing your time from the other side is also the importance of saying no. Mm -hmm. And as a business owner, you know this as um, just somebody like me who does beer education stuff. I've experienced this and it's uh, 
continues to be amazing how many people just want your product for free, want mm-hmm. what you've done for free. Seriously. And I will say that I think Rachel is one of the best people I've ever seen at saying, just telling people no or saying, well, this is I- how... This is how I value yeah. my time. and Well, it's definitely sound... something I had to teach myself. Right. I have a terrible time saying no. I still want to be nice. Yeah. I mean. And you're, and that's not to say no, no, you no. handle it very well. You were always I just, professional and nice. It just comes down to a business decision. Like it has to because I have so much going on. Mm-hmm. And I want to say yes to everything. Like I, I do. I, I like literally anytime. Some, if I feel like I can do it, I try to do it. But if it doesn't make sense, it doesn't make sense. So, I mean, there's so many examples and teaching beer classes. I have had a couple um, accounts want to, me to train their staff to pass the beer server, um, the first level, the beer server certification for Cicerone, and which is an online test. And, and I put together a class and I had one account and they've been great. And I have another account that has been awesome and I'm going to do it for it. And then it kind of got to a point where I'm like, I had someone else ask and I was like, okay, I cannot do this for free. Now I did set up this class at like this one person. It, it wasn't, it's just a very natural flow thing. They've been awesome. They've always carried our beer. They're into craft beer. They're into making their beer bar better. I love making beer, beer better. Mm-hmm. And I, I was on board. It was fine. It was a class. Like, I also like teaching classes because it helps me prepare for master. Right. So it was all fine. And they came down and they bought, you know, spent a bunch of money at the bar. And, like, it, it works out. But when you start getting people asking you to do this, I was like, okay, I need to put together, like, a package. Because right. I'm not going to just go and do it. Like, it takes a lot of my time. The people really need to come to pilot to do it. And it's a long, like, it's a two-hour class if nobody asks questions. You know, because it's wow. literally everything on the syllabus mm-hmm. for passing that test. You should th- have no problem passing this test right. at taking this class. And if people ask questions, like one time it went to four hours and like it was fine. Like I was like, hey, you know, they're like, we're fine if you're fine. I'm like, OK, whatever. But I don't want to do it all the time. It's just right. tiring. Right. And so I had someone else ask and I put together a package of like $30 a person, five people minimum, for like a two and a half hour class, like comes with a flight or something. I haven't heard back. <laughs> well, and I remember one of the things that made me be like, man, Rachel is just so good at this. Is somebody else within the industry, not naming names, but reached out to you to say, hey, I normally do this thing here and they can't do it this week. And it's usually like 25 people and they get like, it was like a free flight. Or something, mm. and like they this yeah. this place gives them beer for free, so that's what they expect, and it's great exposure for your brewery. It will bring in people who haven't been there before. It was literally coming from a person who does the same thing I do, right? And your response was, "Well, as a matter of fact, I offer things like this. Yeah, this is how much the flight costs. I'm an advanced Cicerone, so basically my hourly rate is something like this. Yeah, this is taking time out of my day." So it would, at a minimum, I would have to charge this much. And then I offered him a huge discount. Huge discount. Like I would normally do something like that for $20 a person. I gave it to him for six, for just the cost of the beer. Right. And then the response was, well, I guess this doesn't sound like it's a good opportunity for you. Guess not. No. And it's not. (laughs) Does it sound like a good opportunity for you? Right. Would you do that at your brewery? Right. Exactly. And that's. Jesus. I just, I think that you're very, very good at 
putting things in those terms for people to say there is there is value in what I'm doing. Yeah. And th- and there absolutely is. And don't get me wrong. Like when we opened, there were a lot of things I did, and there's still a lot of things I do right now for exposure. I donate to this, but it was always for a charity. It was always mm-hmm. for a good cause. Like I don't mind donating some beer. When it, and there are still festivals to this day that will get free beer from me forever because I just right. really like that person or I really believe in that festival. But don't come. To, I am not an idiot. Okay. One, right. one, I am way smarter than you that person at beer when it comes to beer and two, like I can agree with that. <laughs> and two, the, the place where they were doing this was a bar, right? That full, like full service bar gets like the rep, like the beer that they order, the rep comes in, like brings in this beer for free. Like it's samples. Right. It's not so like somebody has a budget for that beer yeah. to be given away for free. The the bar that's hosting that class is not giving that. I, I mean, I don't know for sure, but I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure too. <laughs> that they're getting the, like they have a Sierra Nevada night. They get a Sierra Nevada rep, bring right. in some samples, pass it around. Yeah. I'm sure they're fine with doing that for free because they don't have to do anything and they reap the benefit when the people are done. Right. That's not what you're asking here. Right. <laughs> right. Exactly. And I know I've had, um, recently two different occasions of somebody just wanting my beer education slides and do you, you know work goes on to doing stuff like that right and and it is a lot and he didn't want work. it he didn't want it to study he wanted it to give it as classes correct yeah yes and you know my my response was well which it was there something in particular that you would yeah. like and the response was no just all of them <laughs> And I said, no, that's, yeah. I, I'm not going to do that. And I, I had another request that was kind of the same thing of, hey, I found this presentation of yours in our Google Drive. So I'm just, can you send me another version of it? And I said, I don't, I don't understand how that presentation ended up in there. No, you can't use it. I never, I never did that for this organization. And the response was, well, we can use it to train new beer judges. And I said, I don't, I don't care what you say you're going to use it for. Yeah. That's, that's not your – just come up with your own program. Right. And if you really need to copy someone, just Google something because right. something will be out there for you. Right. And, yeah. <laughs> like, and I, and, but it was like I was not respect, like expecting the response of, no, we'll just use it anyway. And it's like, no, that's, that's my IP. That's my intellectual property. And I'm telling you, you do not have my permission to use it. <laughs> And it was still like, oh, it'll be helpful though. It's like, no, you, I don't understand what you do don't you understand about this. Do you want me to like get it illegal? Right. Like, do I need to send you a cease and desist? Yeah. You do not have my permission to use it. Please delete it out of Google Drive so nobody else thinks that they can use it either. I don't know how it ended up in there. Yeah. And that's, that's the same sort of thing is people, you know, just asking, you should, I should just get this for free. And in, in, in a lot of cases, I do try to help or offer alternatives, which I need to stop doing because that's when I go down the nice rabbit hole mm-hmm. of I don't want to seem rude or, yeah. you know, terse or like any other word that only applies to women. And <laughs> I, I want to help because I've been socialized to help. I should yeah. be nice. I should, you know, I should do whatever I can, um, even if that's to my detriment. So I, it, I started going down the rabbit but hole you, of. You can like, there's times where it, we do help. Right, exactly. Like, like because it feels good. Because I like I I know I like I have one girl who I met last week. She's like I really just want thirty minutes of your time to like talk about starting a business. And I'm like, yeah, that's fine. Like just come here and like let's have a beer. Right. Like, that's there, there that's are, fine. There are things. It's not like we're always like no. 
pay me. Right. But don't like right. We she, we know when we're being taken advantage of. Right. But if she said, send me your business plan. Yeah. No. Just just send me your business plan. No, I don't want to talk to you. I just want your product. Yeah, that would not happen. What you did for free. Yeah. And but that's what I said is I'm not going to send you my presentations, but as you're putting these together, if you would like my sources for what I used for particular presentations, let me know and I'll tell you where the information comes from because yeah. this is beer information. It's in books. Yeah. It's on the it's on the internet. Yeah. And this is not I didn't make up yeah. how, you know, adding fruit to beer works. I <laughs> used I it came directly from a table in Radical Brews by Randy Mosier. And that's, I actually just recommended that book to somebody yesterday who was asking me about fruit and beer and how much to add. Mm. And anyway, that's a little off topic. But if you want to know where I got the information, I have no problem. Like yep. my information is not proprietary, but no. my presentations are. The yeah. way I put the information together, the research I did, the way that I presented it, that is all my product. And you don't get to just have mm -hmm. my product. And I think that's, Something that happens a lot as well with, you know, asking for beer donations for festivals or whatever. And like you said, there, at least in North Carolina, you, if you're having a beer festival, you have to have a nonprofit mm -hmm. organization pull the festival permit for you mm -hmm. so you can put it on. So Pilot Brewing can't just have a festival. Mm -hmm. And what a lot of beer festivals do is they give proceeds yeah. from the festival to the charity, but they never tell you how, how much, much they give. And they give you, they could give $1, they could give $100,000, mm -hmm. which is what was always great about Charlotte Oktoberfest. Since we were a nonprofit, we could pull our own permit and all of our proceeds went to charity. So yeah. over 20 years or so, it was $650,000 yep. that we That's gave awesome. away to local charities each year. And we would always have a check presentation and yeah. we would post, we're giving this yeah. amount to this charity. And we did that. Mm -hmm. And that's why a lot of places would donate beer for us because mm -hmm. they knew that. And mm -hmm. they, they knew that that money was going back into the community. And there are a lot of festivals. I would say most festivals do not do that. It's somebody who comes in, finds a nonprofit for the purpose of being able to pull the permit. And then they will give you, Twenty dollars, mm -hmm. and that's proceeds. You yep. you had some proceeds donated. Yep. Well, let's wrap up this. So yes. We, so we don't run out. We ha we have a to do another episode yes. before we leave. We <laughs> are banging these out today. <laughs> don't put that on there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but thank you everyone for listening to this episode on valuing your time. And thanks again to the awesome Liz Pratt for agreeing, calling us from the Netherlands. Yeah, that was cool. And um, I want to go live in the Netherlands. Yeah. Okay. Let's do it. Oh, so many things I want to do. Do they have extradition laws? Wanna, Just asking. I want to make uh, this business work, I guess, first. Um, okay. Well, <laughs> I guess. I guess. But, <laughs> you know, again, any any kind of advice, if you even want to just reach out I don't know what kind of um, support Rachel and I can offer in terms of helping you like figure out how much to value your your time, uh, but make sure that you're doing that. And like Liz said, thinking through, is somebody going to benefit financially from my free labor? Mm -hmm. And don't be afraid to say no and set those boundaries. Yep. So please also don't say no to subscribing to us. <laughs> <laughs> on iTunes or Spotify, um, Rachel is 
Yawning. Is yawning. Um, sorry, it's so boring for you, Rachel. Sorry. This is my whole life. Sorry. <laughs> and always feel free to send us messages on Facebook and Instagram at FalseBottomGirls or shoot us an email at FalseBottomGirls at gmail.com. Thanks, everyone. Thanks. This has been False Bottom Girls. And we make the Bruin world go round.